Uh, if you're new with us, my name is Brian, one of the pastors here, and look forward to spending some time in God's Word uh, with you, both uh, here in the West as well as the East, and those online and in Lovington. So I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 or your Bible app or whatever you might have to do that. Um, where, yeah, over the last several weeks we've been uh, lo- looking at this, you could say the subject of all of me. What does it look like uh, to surrender all of who I am to all of what the Lord has uh, for me, for us? And the passage that we've really been anchoring ourselves into is this passage out of Ephesians 5. And so I want to read that uh, with you here as you follow along. Uh, starting in verse 8 of Ephesians 5, it says it this way. It says, for you were once, all of you was once, you could say, in darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live, therefore, as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Jumping down to verse 15, it says, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so today what we want to do is we want to discover, we want to find out something that pleases the Lord. And that uh, specific opportunity that I want to share with you is the uh, opportunity of baptism. I want to talk to you today about all of me going all in the water uh, with Christian baptism, where I would argue that no single act more visibly communicates that you could say that line in the sand between saying, you know, Ephesians 5, I was once in darkness, but now I'm in the light. Nothing proclaims that, celebrates that uh, arguably more than the act of baptism, because it is where you proclaim, uh, as we're going to look at here in just a few moments, your new life in Christ, in that light, with all of me and all of who I am. And uh, some of you, uh, I would suspect if I was in your seat, what I might be thinking, having already been baptized, many of you, I assume, have been baptized already, are thinking, oh, Oh man, so, you know, I'm, you know, it's like baptism. I've kind of been there, done that, and so yeah, uh, I'll turn in my Bible app to ESPN.com while you go on and on about something I've already done. Well, let me encourage you that if you've already been baptized, uh, or maybe I put it this way, that. Every single one of us uh, here in the room or wherever you're participating, uh, you could say fall into one of three categories. We all do, and this is going to apply to each and every one of us in a different way. First off, for those of you who have already uh, been baptized, this is an opportunity really to be reminded of the importance of what your baptism meant and still means for you today. In fact, so much of the scriptures actually speak to this idea of not, here, let me tell you something new you don't already know, but instead, let me remind you over and over, let me remind you of what matters most. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, I want to remind you of the gospel. And so the baptiz- your baptism was the acceptance of that gospel. Let me remind you about the gospel. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 1, he says, I will always remind you of these things. And I can attest that over the past week in preparing this, it's been powerful to look back on my own baptism, something I, I don't know how much time you've given to thinking about your, pre, your baptism, when that, but not a lot is given for me. And so this was a neat opportunity to kind of rediscover, um, oh yeah, that is what this means both then and for basically the rest of my eternity, okay? So uh, hang with us. If you've already been baptized, this will uh, apply absolutely to you. And then there's those of you who might say, well, Brian, I, I was baptized, and you can remind me of that day all you want, but, and as much as my memory is, is pretty sharp, I was pretty young. In fact, I was an infant, and so my shot at remembering it 
you're probably pushing it. So you might be asking, okay, so where does, where does that fit in then? How does that work out? And we'll, we'll look at that some as well. And then the third category you could say that some of us fall into is those of you who have not yet been baptized. And uh, the focus uh, for you today, I would say, is that word yet. Uh, that if you have not yet been baptized, it is our hope, it is our prayer, it is our goal to really Ephesians 5, to let you see the opportunity to understand and to step into what the Lord's will is for your life, to surrender all of you, you could say submerged under all of water, to come back up, of course, again, uh, in Christian baptism. And so just cutting to the chase, for those of you who are in the not yet category, um, I wanna point you to this insert in your program uh, that uh, gives you that opportunity to express interest in baptism. We have a baptism event. We're gonna do a special deal out the lake here in a couple of weeks, um, just right out in front of the beach house, which we're excited about, as well as be doing some baptisms within our regular weekend services coming out of this. So um, hold on to that. Um, don't fill it out yet, because what we wanna do is take some time to actually talk about what this is before we sign up for anything. So. Before we do that, why do we even do this? As we zoom out, it's like, okay, why do Christians do this, frankly, thing that I spent summers as a child trying to avoid, right? Like, you know, the last thing you wanted as a kid was some other person's hand putting your head underwater, okay? This is not natural. We do not sign up to be dunked underwater. So what is this? What is this all about? And what does it, frankly, have to do with my faith in Jesus. And so uh, it reminds me of um, the comedian's uh, story, uh, Yakov Shmirnov. He's a Russian comedian and author uh, who, uh, in writing about his first visit to the United States, uh, said he just wasn't prepared for really the overwhelming selection uh, that we have in American grocery stores, very different from where he came from. He says it this way. He says, on my first shopping trip, I saw powdered milk. Just add water and then you have milk. Then I saw powdered orange juice. Just add water, and then you have orange juice. He said, then I saw baby powder. <laughs> and he, he says, and I thought to myself, what a country. <laughs> and so for some, people can sometimes, you could say, mistakenly uh, believe that if you just add water to a sinner in a baptistry that out uh, comes a Christian. And yet, while uh, baptism certainly plays a role in that faith process, we know that accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord uh, involves more than, than just getting uh, dunked underwater. So let's discern, okay, what is it then that this has uh, to do with that decision? If we're going to make Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord, we're going to follow him. What in the world does getting dunked underwater have to do with all of that? And so, depending on where you're at in that kind of mental conversation, your understanding of where baptism fits, I'm going to encourage us all today to do our best to come to the conversation with a blank slate, uh, being willing to let God's word guide us, which means we'll have to do our best to maybe set aside some of our presuppositions, maybe uh, from a particular tradition or denominational upbringings understanding, uh, or maybe just the fact that, well, Mima always said, and, and do our best to really focus on letting uh, the scriptures be our guide, our direction, as is a core value of this church, that we are biblically directed when it comes to all matters of life and faith, baptism included, okay? So first, let's look to the scriptures as to what uh, it says as far as, what do you say, okay, what's the meaning of baptism? Why do we do this? And we're gonna be looking at various scriptures and we'll come back to Ephesians 5, but we're gonna be uh, bouncing around a little bit and they'll be on the screens to kind of help us follow along. And so uh, the first verse I wanna look at is, or passage I should say, is Romans 6, 
three through four, where you have the Apostle Paul writing uh, his, his encouragement to the book, or excuse me, to the church at Rome, uh, really on all kinds of theological issues, baptism being among them. And so he describes uh, really the Ephesians 5 stuff, the moving from darkness to light and what baptism does to celebrate that this way. He says, all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so what we see Paul describing symbolically is our participation, you could say, in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection as we symbolically step through that in baptism. That just as Jesus died and was buried, we are saying in baptism, we are dying to self. We are dying to being in charge of our own life. We're dying to sin and we're burying that, if you will, in the waters of baptism and we're rising up to a whole new life, which was made possible by Jesus rising to a whole new life. When we accept him, we get a new life both here and for all of eternity. And so if I were to make that succinct, I would say this is the meaning of baptism. It is, you, you would say, the public declaration and celebration, really, of your participation in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, so that is the meaning behind the act of being uh, put underwater and coming back up, the meaning of Christian baptism. Okay? And so given that meaning, what then would we say, okay, do we see in Scripture as the practice of baptism? How do they actually go about doing baptizing, if you will? Well, we see in the New Testament, uh, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is a story of Jesus and his life and ministry. And after that book comes the book of Acts. And that is the description, the really the, the, the historical narrative of the beginning of the church that Jesus set up, okay? And then the rest of the New Testament's letters written to all these churches. So Acts really is that historical understanding of where and what happened in the beginning of the early church. And in the book of Acts, we see 27 different instances where people are being baptized. And in each and every one of those instances, that baptism, we see, follows closely that individual's initial placement of their faith in Jesus Christ. They place their faith in Jesus and it's pretty, immediate, pretty closely immediately followed with baptism. Let me give you a few of those examples from the book of Acts. Acts chapter two. We have Peter preaching, you know, you could arguably say the first Christian sermon. He presents the gospel and all these people hear the message of what Jesus did for them. It says that they were cut to the heart. And so in conviction they asked, what shall we do? What do we do with this message? And Peter replies, Repent, meaning turn from your sin. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say that those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Okay, and so we see all these thousands of people accepting Jesus and then getting baptized. All right, Acts chapter eight. Uh, there's a story uh, of a man that the Lord led by the name of Philip to intersect uh, an Ethiopian eunuch who was uh, traveling down the road in his chariot. And as he's traveling down the road, he's actually reading from uh, the scroll of Isaiah. He's reading prophecies about Jesus, but he, he doesn't understand what he's reading. And so, you know, God's spirit ordains for Philip to encounter him and, and sit with him and explain the scriptures to him, to which the eunuch then accepts Jesus. And then from there, it says it this way. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said look here's water why shouldn't I 
be baptized. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Okay, so makes a decision for Jesus in the chariot, jumps out and finds some water to get baptized. All right, and then uh, one more, uh, the apostle Paul himself, who, uh, whose hand penned much of the New Testament. In Acts chapter nine, we see his conversion story. You know, before he was Paul, he went by the name Saul and he was actually a persecutor of the church and he was blinded uh, by this encounter with, with Jesus, this light that blinded him. He didn't really understand what had taken place. And again, Jesus or God uses uh, another man, Ananias, to come and uh, visit with him and explain to him what's taken place. And after Ananias explains the gospel, it says this, uh, that Paul, that immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes uh, and he could see again. And he got up and was baptized. And so immediately following that, that conversion, he, um, he becomes baptized. And in fact, I love the way that Paul describes the interaction that he and Ananias had. Later in the book of Acts, he's talking about the conversation that he and Ananias had. And upon you know, the scales falling from his eyes and receiving Jesus, um, this is what Ananias said to Paul. And so Paul's recounting that. And he says, uh, Ananias told him, and now, Paul, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name, calling on Jesus' name, Acts 22, verse 16. And so I bring us to that question because that is the question that I wanna ask of us here today, wherever we're worshiping and participating at, what are you waiting for? And now what are you waiting for is the question. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ and have not yet been baptized, then I would ask the question that Ananias asks of Paul, well, what are you waiting for? Or maybe you've been among us and you haven't even uh, yet maybe stepped over that line of faith to say, okay, I surrender all of me to all of what Jesus has done for me on the cross and raising from the dead to get a whole new life, both in this life and for all of eternity, forgiven of my sin. You've not stepped over that and celebrated that with baptism. And I would ask the question then, and what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Acts 22, 16. And so rather than just leave it there and maybe in an effort to try to answer or maybe fill in where you might say, okay, this is what I'm waiting for. To that question, what am I waiting for? I would suspect that for many of you, maybe it's just that right opportunity uh, has not yet presented itself for you uh, to participate in baptism. And so maybe today is that day. Uh, though beyond that, I would suspect that there is probably, and I've encountered this many times, the, the gap between, um, you know, kind of stepping into kind of the conviction of baptism and actually the action of baptism is what we might say maybe, maybe some unanswered questions or maybe some incomplete answers to questions you have about baptism. And I remember one friend of mine in the life of the church was saying, man, you know what would be great if like in the middle of your sermon, like we could just raise our hand to ask questions. I was like, yeah, no, that would not be great, um, actually. So uh, we're not gonna do that. Uh, however, uh, as an approach to our time together, what I'd like to do is um, preach and teach as if I allowed you to raise your hands by approaching the to topic of baptism through what we call like an FAQ kind of approach, a frequently asked questions when it comes to the subject of baptism. And so again, for all three categories, whether you've been baptized as an infant or upon your own profession of faith, or maybe not yet, I'm confident that, uh, or my hope is that, that there will be a, a confidence and an assurance and even shoring up some of your own understanding should you have conversations with others and for clarity uh, as yourself, as you think about, okay, what is the role of baptism as it relates to Christian faith, okay? So we're gonna, we'll try to move through these pretty quick. Um, 
because I went too long in the other services and you guys want lunch. Lunch by noon, so we'll do my best. Okay, so number one, uh, you could say, okay, first of all, this is probably one of the most popular ones, and that is, hey, cut to the chase. Does baptism save you? Does baptism save you? And so, in fairness, to not beat around the bush and cut to the chase, the answer simply would be no. The answer would be no. Now, while placing your faith in Jesus is closely tied to the act of baptism, there is nothing about the water itself that saves you. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ that saves you. It is grace accessed through faith that forgives our sins and gives us the gift of a new life uh, from, from, from what Jesus has done, not anything that we do, okay? And so, no, baptism does not save you. But from there, we'd ask then, okay, well, who should get baptized? Who should get baptized? Well, according to the scriptures, it would be anyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, It is to be your first act of obedience, uh, as we see painted uh, in those biblical examples from the book of Acts. Now, as I say that, one of the common you know, what are you waiting for as I see, uh, and, and a lot of folks that I've had conversation with over the years, is the sense that even though they've accepted, you know, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that there's this gap to, they'll say something to the effect of, well, I'm just not quite ready yet to be baptized. You know, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, but I'm waiting to be ready to be baptized. And so as I dig into that, uh, usually that waiting for comes in a couple of different varieties. Sometimes it's some sort of sin area in their life where they feel like they've got to get that kind of cleaned up and worked out before they, you know, really commit to Jesus and get baptized. Or maybe it's just kind of that understanding of being committed. Like they just don't feel like they're wholeheartedly committed enough uh, to step into baptism. And can I just say that if there's a gap between your accepting of Jesus and your being baptized into him, that that gap of, uh, of getting something right on your own between those two things, can I just say, biblically is, I, I wouldn't say not just further from the truth, it is actually the opposite of the truth of the gospel. Because let me remind you that the truth of the gospel, the good news, is not what you can do to clean up that sin or become more devoted to Jesus. The, the, the gospel is what Jesus has already done for you and us receiving his work in our lives. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes that is at work in us and through us. And so I would make the case that if you have this sense like, ah, I'm not sure I'm quite ready because I wanna get this worked out or this ironed out or whatever, I would say that that is the signal, that is the sign that you are actually more ready to be baptized rather than not because you are serious about trying to discover more of a devotion to Jesus Christ in your life, but the the missing link is this understanding that you are somehow gonna do that on your own, and that's not the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ is what he has already done, not what we do, and so I would say, Get up, what are you waiting for? Be baptized and let Christ continue to work in your story rather than the sense that you're gonna work that out yourself. And so who should be baptized? Anyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and has not yet been baptized, okay? Uh, Another question uh, that we get kind of somewhere in the middle of that one is uh, who should be baptized is, do I need to be re-baptized or should I be re-baptized? Okay, so... I would say that depends on what you mean by that question, okay? So we're gonna kind of break this down a little bit. Um, As this is probably one of the most popular questions we get, particularly for those who have been baptized uh, or sprinkled as infants, okay? And so I would say this, simply put, if the decision to be baptized 
was not your own decision based on your own belief in Jesus Christ, then yes, we would encourage you to be biblically baptized. And by biblical, I mean by the biblical precedent that we see upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ being baptized as uh, an act of obedience coming out of that. Now, that being said, if you were sprinkled as an infant, as, as I was uh, originally, uh, I wanna give you a, a quick history um, of both sprinkling uh, as well as infant baptism, is that they're actually kind of two different subjects, uh, and then kind of where we understand it all as a, as a church from there, okay? So first, the act of sprinkling or pouring as a mode of baptism versus being dunked underwater. Uh, that became, uh, in the history of the church, an acceptable uh, mode of baptism that came into practice when immersion was not possible. And, and this is something we still as a church will practice today, uh, you know, maybe based on a, a physical restriction to be able to get into the water, uh, or maybe there's in, in some cases just not wa- enough water available. Um, and so that started in the early church based on circumstance, but then the convenience factor, honestly, that came with that became uh, a normative and accepted approach to baptism that has in, in some denominations become strictly the mode of baptism. So that's where the idea or the understanding of sprinkling and pouring uh, that version of of baptism, as you could say, uh, came into bow. But we will say that our aim, when possible, is to baptize by immersion uh, based on, again, the precedent we see set in Scripture. In fact, that word in the original Greek, uh, baptism, is a transliteration. I mean, it's not a translation. It's actually a transliteration uh, straight from the word baptizo. Baptism, baptizo, it's actually a Greek word that we have Englishized, that is not a word, uh, <laughs> made into English, a transliteration, which meant uh, literally to dip or to submerge uh, or, to, or to plunge. Um, for example, that's the example we see in Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. It says they go down into the water and he baptized him. In fact, historically, uh, that word outside of a religious context, uh, baptizo, was used uh, to speak about ships, like battleships who had, that had sank uh, in war. So it had been submerged in water, so that word baptizo. So it's uh, definitely an understanding that uh, the truest sense would be to, to um uh, to, to dip or submerge uh, or to immerse, okay? And so that's, that's kind of the story on baptism and sprinkling and pouring. The second side of that coin is what about baptizing infants? Where, where did that begin? Where do we see that in scripture? Um, well, first of all, we don't see it practiced in anywhere in, in scripture per se, but here's where it comes from in that uh, there's, and there's a couple of different channels based on different theological understandings, but uh, one of the core ones originally was based on a certain understanding of original sin. Uh, original sin is the understanding that we all have inherited a sin nature. We're all born sinful based on our great, 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 greats, Adam and Eve who, who sinned in the garden. And so there was an understanding in order uh, to be extra sure, if you wanted to be um, extra sure that your baby went to heaven in order to correct original sin, then you would want to get them baptized. But the Bible, as our authority, on all matters in faith and practice, there is no biblical precedent for infant baptism. The only, the closest thing you come to is in the book of Acts, it talks about a whole household being baptized, but there's no necessarily evidence of that. And so when it comes to the subject of, you know, trusting God with what happens uh, in, in, the, in the life and the death of, of a little one, we would say in regards uh, to the eternal security of children, 
we remain confident in faith in the sovereignty of God's grace and his mercy for his care of the souls of children who have entered into his presence, whether at a young age or in utero. It is the grace and the mercy and the sovereignty that God's got this where we don't have all the answers, he does. And so we trust him uh, with his care for those little ones. And so prior to these points in history, uh, really we see uh, as the practice exclusively found in scripture is the practice of immersion following one's faith in Jesus Christ. And so um, the million dollar question maybe coming out of that is, how does First Christian Church handle all that? How do they reconcile all that? Um, recognizing that, yes, we baptize um, by immersion, uh, unless, again, we've had some situations where physically that's not possible and we've done other modes, uh, but we always baptize upon a profession uh, of faith. And so, um, how do we handle that, uh, you know, given the different backgrounds and different traditions that maybe you come from uh, in your life? And so, I'll say this, that within the roots of our of our movement, of the Christian churches, uh, the non-denominational Christian church, if you wanna put us in that kind of understanding, first and foremost, again, and I'll say it many, many times, is that biblical authority uh, is our utmost understanding of everything we do, which as a church, if this is God's inspired word of God, that's exactly what we wanna follow in any setting. And so we, a, a mantra in our, in our movement, you might say, is that where scripture speaks, we speak, but where the scriptures are silent, we are silent. And so what we do and what we aim to do is to hold as closely to the biblical practice as possible, when possible, in, in any area. And thus, we practice and observe what we see in Scripture, and that is baptism by immersion following one's decision for Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Now, with that, there's another value, a very strong value that we see in the New Testament church, and that is a prayer that Jesus prayed over and over again, and that was for unity amidst his church. He wants unity for Christ's church. And so with that, we have also, you could say, another mantra, and that is in understanding the, the unity of the Christian church by and large across different traditions, we would say uh, this. We say we are Christians only, but we are not the only Christians. Does that make sense? We are Christians only, but we're not saying we're the only Christians, that we're the only ones, that even in our efforts to strive to do uh, as they practice in the New Testament, we're not aiming to say, well, we've got it right and all the other Christian traditions have it wrong. Thus, the way we put that into practice is here as a church, we practice what's called open membership. Uh, open membership means that if you were baptized as an infant, and you have a strong theological position as to the understanding as to why that is, uh, and, and that you would say, no, that is my baptism, then we would gladly accept you, we do gladly accept you into the life and membership of First Christian Church. We have an open membership because we would say, uh, when it comes to the matters of, of how baptism was done, we're not, we're not the only Christians, we, um, we are Christians only. Now, with that, we would say, it is our encouragement though, based on biblical practice, that you would, if you were baptized as an infant, consider, strongly consider, baptism following and based on your own decision to follow Jesus Christ. And while we will never force you to do this, it is our experience that most people, when faced with the biblical precedent, gladly, gladly choose to celebrate the opportunity to be, uh, to be baptized, you might say rebaptized, based on their own decision to follow Jesus Christ, baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection as modeled in scripture. 
okay? And so I recognize there are a couple hurdles for that. Um, for one, you know, maybe you've walked with Jesus a lot of years, you know, it's been like five, 10, 20, 30 years, and it's like, that's gonna take a lot of humility to, you know, after all these years, you know, kind of, you know, humble myself and subject myself to go and, and be baptized as if maybe this is new or something. Um, and so I get that. Uh, but I love the precedent, actually, that was set at our church just a few years ago. Um, we had our chairman of the elders, who uh, you think he's, so he's the leader of the leaders of our entire church, who was baptized as an infant uh, upon the biblical precedent, was convicted and said he wanted to be immersed. And so we had our chairman of the elders uh, just a few years ago baptized, uh, or you could say rebaptized, which I just thought was just an awesome model for how uh, we want to follow our leaders in, in that. And so that's, that was pretty cool. And so you might consider that, and so it does take some humility, and I think uh, that's not necessarily ever a bad thing. Um, the other side of that coin is, I know for uh, some of you, and I've had this conversation too, that there's almost this, I don't know if the word's fear, but just this concern that this somehow communicates uh, to your parents, your grandparents who had you baptized as an infant, kind of almost this like, uh, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, that wasn't good enough, I'm just going to go do it my own way. And I, and I understand that, that, um, that reservation, if you will. Um, but might, might I challenge you that, um, it, you know, rather than be it offensive, if you will, uh, I would ask the question, is it actually affirming? Is it actually affirming of the very thing, the very desire they had for you when they had you baptized as an infant, that you would, yes, grow up to hopefully, uh, you know, follow Jesus all the days of your life? Is this an affirmation of really not yeah, thanks, but no thanks, but more of a thank you, mom and dad, thank you, grandma and grandpa, thank you for whatever tradition I came from, uh, and now as an adult, in my own free will, I'm able to choose and elect to, to follow Jesus. Am I celebrating what was implanted, if you will say, as, as a child uh, to these days? So is it, is it really an offense, or is it, can it be seen and understood as an affirmation? You know, that's my story. I didn't grow up going to church, except, except for when my grandmother, uh, when I would stay with her uh, any weekend, we faithfully uh, were in mass and I was, I was sprinkled as an infant and um, didn't grow up going to church after she passed from there. And then uh, as a 16 year old kid was, um, you know, reached and gave my life for, uh, to Jesus Christ and celebrated that with a baptism upon my own profession of faith. And I, I like to think and believe that that is absolutely uh, really an answer to the prayer she prayed for me um, as a young child and really an affirmation of what she started. And so with that, we would say, again, we would encourage you to consider being uh, baptized as practice of scripture. Uh, maybe outside of the infant thing, uh, if uh, you were baptized in any kind of setting where it was not your own choice. Uh, maybe you, you know, were at some deal and there were a bunch of your friends went up and so you went up and you didn't know, or you got baptized and you really had no understanding of why it is you were doing that, then yes, we would encourage you to be baptized in the understanding that you have of your faith in Jesus Christ. But on the flip side of that, if you were baptized uh, and you, were, you understood at least enough at your developmental age, so even if you're young, if you're seven years old or whatever, and you understood why you're being baptized, then we would say, no, there's no need to be rebaptized, um, because the goal of baptism is to be baptized upon your profession of faith in receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And so hopefully that's helpful to you in kind of, the, kind of uh, parsing that out a little bit. A um, couple more real quick. Uh, one, we got this question last week, so I'm gonna bring it to you. Uh, is, is, this about church, is this really about church membership? Is this about church membership? Uh, and uh, you might be saying, for example, like, you know, I'm just not sure I wanna get baptized here because I'm not sure I wanna be a member here. And I would say, well, maybe we're not sure we want you yet either. So that's 
<laughs> no, no, part of, part, now part of the membership process here at First Christian is affirming that you were in fact baptized, that you, that you have a baptism as part of your story. Um, we've kind of talked about that a little bit, uh, whether here or somewhere else, but being baptized is not the button you push for church membership. Uh, we have a whole Explore membership class that, that looks at that. Um, because really, when, when you get baptized, you're not being baptized into any particular church. You're not being baptized into First Christian Church. You're being baptized into Jesus Christ. Being baptized uh, here does not force your membership here. Uh, in fact, the Apostle Paul, regarding some confusion around baptism in a different context, he says it this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? And so he's basically saying, no, you were baptized essentially the way that Jesus commissioned us in his last words to his disciples to go and make disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is who we are baptized into. And so it is not about church membership here. And then lastly, uh, maybe firstly, really, uh, but we're gonna end with this question. And, And that is just kind of zooming out this kind of blanket question of, okay, okay, so do I have to be baptized? Like, do I really have to be baptized? Uh, to which, actually, this one is the easiest of all. I would say, the scriptures would say, if you want to be obedient to Jesus, well, then yes, you should be baptized. You should be baptized. Even Jesus himself, who was without sin, had no sin, had no reason to be baptized, set up for a model for us be, by electing to be baptized by John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. And, and in Jesus' own words, Mark 16, 16, he just says it simply. He says, whoever believes and is baptized, it's understanding that these things go together, will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then plainly in John 14, 15, Jesus says it this way. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And so, If you love Jesus, if you want to follow Jesus, then just as a precedent, not just in baptism, but in all areas of life, then you're not looking for loopholes. You're not looking to cut corners. You're looking to love and to follow Jesus and whatever he says. And so while the act of baptism for our modern minds, it just might not seem like that big of a deal or just kind of an unimportant act, we recognize it's important to Jesus and so it should be important to us. And I've learned the hard way, maybe you have too, that whenever I think something and Jesus says another, Jesus is right every time. Jesus is right every time. And so to the question, do I have to be baptized? Uh, if that's the question you still have in the lobby for me after this service, you know, on the outside, I might re- like look real pastoral, uh, but on the inside, I'm probably rolling my eyes a little bit because to me, that shows that you're really missing the point of the conversation altogether. It's like having like a young couple who's getting ready to get married in my office and they're getting ready with the wedding plans and like the guy kind of has it all over him that he's just not into it with his body language kind of slumped in the chair and he's finally just kind of like, you know, do, do we really have to do all this? You know, those tuxedos are so uncomfortable and I don't like being up in front of all these people and I gotta say all that mushy stuff. It's like, you know, do, do I really have to do this? And it'd be pretty clear that his question reveals the understanding that he has of his whole wedding celebration in the first place. And in the same way, this is a celebration. This is not a have to. This is, this is getting to celebrate the, the, really the wedding, the, the marriage you have to Jesus, the commitment you have to him, uh, really the celebration, the, we call it almost like a birthday party when we talk about the kids, because it's a new birth. You're being born again, coming up out of the water, celebrating a whole new life in 
Jesus. Who might I remind you when it comes to this Jesus? Uh, what it is he did for us in order for us to get to have what we have in a Christian baptism. We think about, you know, Jesus who was ridiculed. I mean, he was humiliated. He was mocked. He was, he was spit on. He was humiliated. And so when we think about what Jesus did for us as he went to the cross, I have to ask the question, is it really too embarrassing? Is it too humbling, too humiliating for us to get up in front of people to be baptized? You know, as we think about what Jesus went through on our behalf, he had a crown of thorns pressed into his skull. He had a cross, you know, draped over his lacerated back as he took step after step down the long road to Calvary. And I just got to ask the question, okay, is it really too uncomfortable to get baptized? As we think about the punishment that was ours, the punishment that we deserve, that he took upon himself so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be given the gift of a new life. To the question, do I have to be baptized? Well, to that, I've got to lean into the conversation between Ananias and Paul and basically say, why wouldn't you be baptized? You know, what, what are you waiting for? Why wouldn't you be baptized? That baptism is not a have to, it's a get to. It's a get to. And as I was thinking about this this past week, my, my son and I, we were on a little bike ride to, uh, we went to the Creckles that's near our house, got some ice cream cones. And we're sitting in the booth. And uh, it was definitely a get to, you know, eating Creckles anytime. But that was eclipsed. Our get to was eclipsed by this lady that walked in, probably in about her mid 40s, who she walked in. I mean, and she just kind of, she just kind of had a different demeanor about it. She was excited about what was getting ready to take place. And so, I mean, it's Creckles, right? And so she walks up, she's smiling ear to ear. She gets her ice cream cone. And I kid you, not this woman skipped literally with her ice cream cone through crackles head bobbing and everything smiling at her ice cream cone got into the parking lot where there are a lot more human beings to witness her do this and she just skipped all the way to her car with her crackles ice cream cone got in the car drove off smiling the whole way I'm thinking that's a get-to that is the understanding that we should have when it comes to our Christian baptism. This isn't a have to, this is a get to. We recognize all of what Jesus has done for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. And we get to participate that in the best way that he has painted us that we're gonna trust that he knows how. And that is for us to participate by going under some water, by being buried of our old life and trusting in the new life that he has given to us. It is a get to. And so to close the gap between conviction and action that maybe has been a what are you waiting for for some time. Uh, I wanna encourage you, don't let the world drown it out in the next two minutes before you get out the door. And so this little insert here, fill it out now. Uh, let us know that you're, maybe you still have questions, that's okay. Just get the process started or you can also do that online at firstdecatur.org slash baptisms. And we'll look forward to talking with you and getting you out there in a couple weeks or as part of one of the regular weekend services here. And we actually had a conversation with a lady afterwards who has like uh, like a, like a, I don't know what you'd say, a medically, uh, I don't know what the word for fear of water is, but she has that. And we're working out ways to, to find another mode that works for her. So don't let the hurdles, whatever you've been waiting for, stop you from expressing interest and in taking that next step. As it says in Ephesians 5, full circle, that you want to discover, you want to be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, and make the most of every opportunity. Uh, to therefore not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so may I pray for us all as we continue in all of areas of life to seek the Lord's will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, first off, for many of us, we're just thankful uh, that we can be reminded 
of the gospel, uh, that we are reminded of our acceptance of it through baptism. And so Father, I just pray that you would continue to help us to kind of dig into that, to remember and to know and to live that the, the, as it says in your word, that the old has gone, the new has come. And, and to live in the power of your Holy Spirit that you blessed us with uh, through our receiving of you. Father, for those who um, maybe they were baptized in some sort of setting where it was not their, their own decision was made for them and we thank you for those seeds that were planted, but now God, um, I pray that you would uh, help them to see the opportunity they have uh, to, of their own volition, uh, their own choice to follow you and to celebrate that in baptism. God, that you close the gap between conviction in action, as it says in Hebrews, uh, that if they hear you today, that they would not harden your hearts. And we would say that true also for those who have not accepted you as Lord and Savior and the baptism that goes with that. Uh, God, that uh, wherever we're at, that if first step of obedience or next step of obedience, that we would take those steps, uh, trusting you with all of it. In Jesus' name.